Hi guys, I just want to hop on really quick before this episode started and give a trigger warning. We talk about abusive relationships, religious and church trauma, shame. There's a brief mention of disordered eating and a brief mention of sexual assault and suicide. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi all, and welcome back to Mindful Minds. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we're going to be talking about healing your inner child with Lauren Weed. How are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you? I'm good. Um, Well, Lauren and I went to the same school um, and we weren't really like, I don't, I actually don't know if we ever interacted in person, really. I kind of don't think we did. Not while we were both students. No. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was one of those fun, like, hey, we have similar, honestly, we have similar trauma. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like connected over just like social media. Um, but Lauren just released a children's book. And um, for me, children's books kind of always, I don't know, bring up some like inner child stuff for me personally. Because I think that they are often, um, you know, they're written for kiddos. And like, if you kind of have this like inner kiddo in yourself that has like some pain or some wounds or feels like you've lost some of your innocence, like reading something that is aimed for someone of that age can kind of like be really emotional sometimes. And also, um, also be really healing at times. If you're like reading a book that's telling you that you're worthy and you're powerful and like, as an adult, you don't feel that way. It can be really, really, really emotional. I, I rarely get through like a children's book without crying. Um, but I think your children's book specifically, um, the summary, and then I've also, I have it and I've read it, um, seems like it's maybe written for like your inner child. Am I kind of right on that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I wanted to have you come on cause, um, I think I mentioned this a few, oh, actually it was probably a while ago episode wise, but I had, oh no, I wrote a blog post about it. I have had so many things in my life over the past, like maybe four months that have just like, like I can't stop thinking about my inner child and like mm-hmm. having this like weird um, dual protection and also like grief for her yeah. and trying to process those feelings. And I think that that is something that a lot of people in their twenties kind of go through. Um, I was just talking to someone about the fact that you kind of hit this point where you realize like, my parents are humans and like adults are humans and adults aren't Mm -hmm. superheroes and adults have Mm -hmm. like shit that they went through. And then you're an adult and you're like, Ooh, I'm not a superhero. (laughs) Like, Hmm, how is this going to work? And you start to kind of like go through like almost in my opinion, like this kind of second, second puberty, like where you're like going through all these different like emotional ups and downs and like trying to figure things out and you kind of just have the rug, you know, ripped out from under you and you're trying to find your way again. And I think a lot of people that I know that are my age are going through that, but also we're going through it in a pandemic, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. boy, oh boy, (laughs) (laughs) not the best situation. So I wanted to have you on to kind of chat about that a little bit. Um, but first of all, if you want to kind of introduce yourself and give a little bit of your background and some context on like why you wrote the book, um, and we can get more into it later, but maybe just a little, a brief summary of Lauren. Yeah. Um, well, I, 
I have a background in mental health. So my degree is in um, counseling psychology and I have, you know, doula certifications and all that, you know, a lot of background in caring for people basically. And a lot of the stuff that I have focused on um, since, honestly, since I was 16, I've been in college since I was 16. Okay. So like, um, everything that I've been interested in and studying and focusing on has been trauma related. Um, And I guess part of the book that I wrote, um, you know, I, I have a son, he's two and he's starting to get into reading now. So we have this like big collection of children's books and like in reading a lot of it, it's like, Oh yeah, exactly what you were saying of like, this isn't, this is speaking to me. This isn't just for him. Like I really enjoy a lot of these books. And, um, so I kind of had an experience in the last few months, um, that reminded me, I got to go back to my childhood meadow. That was kind of like my safe place. Um, back in like September, some friends got married. And so I went back and visited and, it felt like I was being welcomed by old friends and I just like was very inspired and wrote about it and decided I was going to do something more with that and have a fun story for my son. And, um, but it was really healing for me too, to kind of process through that book. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, similarly, like I'm a nanny and like I, I read children's books all the time and I think, there's something very simplistic about them, but like, they're also how many books for adults do you see that are like literally just affirmations or like a a book telling you that someone believes in you that much. I think that that's like yeah. one of the things that like will really get to me is like, there's, you lose a lot of that when you turn, mm-hmm. like when you get older. And I think that the world kind of breaks that out of you a lot. Um, yeah. and I think that that's even more intense for adults who have been through trauma and you start to kind of like get to an age where it's like, yeah, I don't really feel like I can do anything. Like mm-hmm. you gotta have money. You gotta have, you know, right. the mental energy to do it. Like, it's just kind of, you get to this state where, I think also a lot of people are going through kind of this like weird, um, especially during the pandemic because the job market is shit, but like we graduated from college and like, we're not necessarily doing what we wanted to do or thought we were going to be doing post-college. And like, you kind of get to this state where it's like, okay, am I failing? Like, is this going to be my life? And it's a lot of just like, I think I've lost a lot of like hope in myself, even to the point where like, I've had job opportunities come up that I kind of procrastinate on and just like let fall through the cracks because I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm not going to be capable of doing that. And right. like, yeah. if I was 13, I'd be like, Oh hell yeah, I can do that. Like, let's go. And like, <laughs> now I'm like, yeah, I don't really think that's something I'd be able to do. Like, even if it's something that's like kind of in my wheelhouse that I like normally would be yeah. totally fine doing. Um, but yeah, I think it, the, the world kind of breaks you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had the same confidence that I did at, you know, 15, 16 years old of like, 
I know what I can do. I can do all of this stuff. Yeah. And yes, very relatable. (laughs) Yeah. And even like, I think the thing that's crazy too, is it's like, I think it's kind of a common experience, even if you grew up with parents that were like really supportive or really believed in you. Um, I had a lot of trauma in my childhood, but I also had like a dad who I would pick up a camera and like take a photo of something and he'd be like, Oh my God, she's going to be a professional photographer. And I'd, my, I'd be like, dad, like, no, I'm not. And like get kind of shy about it. And anything, any hobby I picked up, it was like, he fully believed that I was going to be like the next great. And so I think that right. you kind of, even that can sometimes like come back to bite you. Cause you hit an age and you're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I letting people down? Like I was the person yeah. that people had a lot of belief in and like, I had a lot of potential and like, is that gone? Um, Which I'm curious about your background because I think that we have kind of similar outlooks on things. Growing up, were you an overachiever? Like, did you do a lot? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I'm I'm curious, like, I've – I got to find it. I I just left TikTok because – it was hurting my feelings. <laughs> I didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was not, it can go from being one of the coolest like apps to then like it breaks your heart. And then you're like, yep. Okay. I don't want to do this anymore. I had a video that like went semi-viral and it went from everyone being like, this is so funny to then people like commenting on it and being like, your laugh is the ugliest laugh I've ever heard in the entire world. Oh and I was like, I was like, I hate this. I don't want to be here Nothing. anymore. Like this yeah. really hurt my feelings. I do not want to be part of this anymore. Um, but yeah, I, there was a, um, a song that was circulating around, I think, or maybe it was just on my for you page. I don't know, but it was a song about like talking about, um, Oh, you know what? It was nothing new by Taylor Swift off her new album and it's uh wouldn't recommend listening to it unless you want to have your feelings hurt a little bit but um (laughs) there was someone who like talked about it and said like this song is for like the kiddos who were overachievers and like everyone always believed that they were going to do great things and now they're in their 20s and like can't help but feeling like they literally let everyone down and like Uh, no one had like no one believes in them anymore and everyone has just kind of accepted that they're going to be mediocre for the rest of their life and like they're coming to terms with the fact that they're never going to be the best at anything and I was like all right so (laughs) like that was mean (laughs) I don't appreciate that at all um but I think that there's kind of this like you kind of get to a point where and there's also just the really hard realization that you get to be an adult and you realize there are a lot more people in the world than you thought there were Mm mm-hmm And only one person can be the best at everything. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then you're like, okay, well, definitely not going to be me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, But I'm curious if you were an overachiever and you also grew up in a religious environment, how did those two things mesh to Mm -hmm. potentially create maybe not great mindsets? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So. Yes. So I grew up in a, in a hyper religious area. Um, and, um, you know, all 
several generations of pastors, you know, in my family. Um, my parents weren't pastors, but they, you know, we spent even more time at the church than some other pastors, you know, at the church, you know, but we were some of the first people to be there and the last people to leave. Um, and, uh, and so I think part of that, like service wise, I felt like I just need to be giving more. I need to be doing as much as I possibly can, because that was really the only time that I got affirmations. Um, you know, I was the oldest daughter, so there's like that whole complex. Right. And also the only daughter, um, uh, to like, I have younger brothers. And so I was like a caregiver early on. Um, there were all of these like roles that came into play with my environment. So like I was meant to be taking care of them. I, you know, I was doing like, I don't know, regular household chores, right? Like sweeping and cleaning and doing laundry and dishes and stuff. Um, but I was doing all of that by the time I was like seven or eight, which like, I don't think is that early. I think a lot of people do that, but the way that, um, certain family members would like describe it, like a lot of the men were like, Oh, wife training. Perfect. She's on, she's right on track, you know, oh, we which love is that. <laughs> weird to think about, you know, as an eight year old, like I'm going to be a good wife, you know, <laughs> like, no, just be a kid. Um, and so I, you know, I helped raise my brothers. There was a period of time where my parents weren't really around. Um, and I found security in, um, my church and, um, but even then, you know, I wasn't allowed to act like a kid. I was, they saw the potential in me. And instead of just like coming from, you know, like a strength-based idea of like, wow, you know, it's really cool that you can do that. Like hone in on that. You know, you can practice that. That's awesome. But still, you know, be a kid, like go live your life. It was like, oh, you're good at this. Cool. This is your identity now. This is what you do. And this is the only thing that we're going to talk to you about. (laughs) And so, um, I think part of my thing was I just wanted people to notice me more because they would only notice me when I was good at one thing. And so I couldn't just be good at one thing. I had to be good at everything in order for everyone else to like me. (laughs) And so it was like, uh, you know, I, I think back that 16 year old that I mentioned like earlier, like she was, I was doing community college. I was graduating high school. I was, um, like I had a boyfriend, I was in an abusive relationship at the time. Um, I was mentoring young kids that really weren't that young, like that much younger than me. They were only maybe a year or two younger, but I wasn't allowed to tell them my age because nobody wanted to know that a 16 year old was doing things that a 16 year old really shouldn't be doing. Um, you know, I was leading worship. I was leading, I was organizing bands. I was organizing ministries. I was like preaching at other churches. You know, I was doing all of these things that like really didn't need to be doing. (laughs) Um, But I was like, well, I have the capacity to, and everyone seems to like me. (laughs) So this is great. Um, 
And, you know, eventually you crash and burn with that. Like you can't live a life like that forever. And so now, you know, I'm in my mid twenties and I'm like exhausted just by, you know, making a quesadilla. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that's, that's a little bit of my background when it comes to that. Um, Grew up really fast. Um, Yeah. Okay. I definitely have some follow-up questions because for one, I think we had a very similar more similar than I realized, uh, background. And I have such bad brain fog this week. So I like took notes cause I was like, I'm going to forget all of the things that I wanted to follow up on. My brain fog is insane. <laughs> um, for one, uh, I also did running start. Yeah, I also I did know, college. Yeah. I also started college at 16. Yeah. I also started volunteering at my church when I was like seven. And then as I got mm. older, it was like, now I'm a leader, now I'm a worship leader, now I'm this, now I'm this, now I'm this, I'm on choir. Like, I was telling someone recently, like, I spent more time on that at that church than like anywhere else. And I think the thing that was right. weird too was like, I had friends, but not like friends, not like my best friends. Like, yeah, I had like a community, but I don't. Uh, none of those friendships still exist. I mean, like they weren't like longstanding friendships. Um, And if anything, like some of the friendships were actually kind of abusive where I had, there was such a, the the church volunteers who were children, um, Mm. including myself, there was such a overwhelming amount of highly insecure children who like Mm. needed affirmation Mm -hmm. that it created a very toxic dynamic with those kids. So one of my best friends, like during that time, um, she was cooler than me. She was more popular than me. Like at the church, she was like kind of the golden child and one of the most insecure people I've ever met in my life. And I knew that. And I saw a side Mm -hmm. of her that other people didn't, but I think that was a threat because I knew this like more vulnerable side of her. And so when we were out and about and with other people, I would get, she would make little digs at my weight, little digs at my makeup, little digs at my outfit, little digs at the fact that I didn't have the right kind of Bible, like just slowly putting me down. (laughs) I know, right? Like how fucking stupid. Um, God forbid I don't have a leather bound message version. Like shoot me. Sorry. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was just like it started these dynamics where I figured out, I think when I was maybe 19, that I didn't actually like church. I liked feeling important and yeah. I liked feeling needed and I liked yeah. feeling like I had kind of found my niche and like I found something that I was really good at Um, because I did like production. So I was mm-hmm. doing like the – like. I was essentially on staff. Like the amount of responsibility I had as like a 16 year old was absurd. Yeah. Um, right. And I was being overworked. I was not being paid. Like yep. I was spending, there were some nights when we would put on conferences that I would be there till one in the morning. Right. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. I loved it. <laughs> like I loved yeah. it. I was, cause I felt like, um, kind of similar to like, I also have struggled with an eating disorder and it, the best way I can describe it is like, that high of being exhausted and overworked felt similar to when I would drink a coffee on an empty stomach. Mm. And that's like the only thing I would eat for the day. It was like, I was shaky and I felt weak, but I was like, 
but you're you're willing yourself on. You think you'll have mm-hmm. such a strong will to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't – that didn't hit me until I was maybe 19 that I was like, do I like church or do I really like that I've had, I had a spot? Because then I went to a church in college where I hadn't grown up in that church. I didn't have a key no. to the offices. I wasn't important. Yeah. And I was like, dude, this fucking sucks. I don't like this at all. Right? <laughs> like, this isn't fun. <laughs> I don't like this. And I would try to get involved in like leadership positions and like – it was a little bit closed off. I didn't really have the ability mm-hmm. to get involved in leadership positions. And yeah. um, I just forgot that we went to the same church. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I totally forgot. I was just talking about it. And then I was like, wait, <laughs> we went to the same church. Um, yeah. And I just like didn't have the same ability to like get into leadership positions. And I tried yeah. real hard. And it just like it never really fall. It never really panned out. Um, and part of that was because the church that I grew up in was like a mega church and it was huge Mm -hmm. and this church wasn't that. And I was like, I don't fucking like this. I'm not important. This is, this sucks. I'm just like another person in the audience. And then I was like, wait, I don't like, I don't like church. (laughs) I don't like this at all. I don't like to sit here and listen to a sermon and like worship and like, I feel weird and it makes me socially anxious. And like, I just liked having a space a spot where I belonged and like I felt important and I felt needed and I got affirmation and it was like I got affirmation as an adult when I was a child it was like adult Mm -hmm. affirmation like so much of it was like I had so many adult responsibilities and I have racked my brain for the life of me as to where that came from like this desperate need to be an adult because my family um my parents didn't really egg me on to like be an adult as a Mm. child, but like I was nine years old and sending emails to my teachers being like, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be out sick today. Like, can you please send my, my work to the office? My mother will be by like around 3 PM to pick it up. Like, thank you so much. Blessings, Fina. And like, I was literally like nine years old sending it from like, my like dance lover, like at gmail.com right, yeah. like mm-hmm. email, which by the way is not my actual email. It was a different version of that. So if you're going to try to email me on that email, you can't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was just like, it was so over the top and I've racked my brain as to where that came from. Cause I'm the middle child. Um, yeah. but I'm the middle, I was the middle child. Eh, I'm the baby and I'm the middle because I was the middle until I was 10. And then we adopted, mm-hmm. uh, my sister, so I was the middle, I was the baby for like 10 years. And then I was the middle yeah. for like until that, like up until that point. Um, but yeah, so I'm curious because I have a few things that I think we'll probably have um, similarities on. So I'll start with the church stuff. Okay. Um, did that normalization of being a burnt out child um, kind of get you to a point where now you look back at your life and you're like, dude, I couldn't tell you where the burnout started. Like I could never find a start point for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I was actually, I was talking to my husband about this, um, 
I don't remember when I had this conversation. It was probably a few weeks ago. I don't know. Um, time doesn't really, time's not real anymore. Oh, yeah. Pandemic. It's still 2020. I don't know what day it is. I have no idea. But yeah, so I was talking to my spouse and I was like, you know, because I, I used to be a singer, right? Like I used to do a lot of music. I tried to write songs when I was younger. Um, and since, you know, I spoiler alert i don't go to church anymore right so since leaving church surprise. Uh, <laughs> spoiler, surprise. <laughs> um so since leaving church like music has been really difficult um and it's it's been you know because there was so much trauma centered around um my you know singing and musical background right um but i i was thinking back and every song that i tried to write you know, from probably like my early teenhood until my early twenties, um, started off with I'm tired. And, and that was, that was it. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out <laughs> how to make anything else. I was like, but like this songs is about this just is like, the dude, only, I'm exhausted. This is just the, these are the only words that I have to describe what I'm feeling is that I'm just tired. And I didn't understand burnout at that point. Like, I yeah. didn't get it. I didn't understand what being overworked was because I was just living my life for the Lord, you know? But like, um, no, for sure. I mean, also, like, burnout was not talked about, nor, right. I mean, yeah. This is a there whole was other no conversation. Set up. Well, no. And the thing is, is churches thrive on literally abusing yeah. children. The idea Absolutely. of getting volunteers to do all of their work and not pay them. Like, yes. why do you think that agree. pastors of mega churches are hella rich and then they're mm-hmm. not the ones that do the majority of the work? Like, right. Yeah. It, it's, it's a little, it's a little mini like capitalistic society, like in right. the, you know, under the curtain of like something religious capitalism yeah yeah Yeah, exactly yeah it's Um, a lot of overworking kids yeah totally totally and um and yet they like cry over videos of like poor asian kids we're gonna send all of our all of our missionaries to go help these poor children and then we're also gonna (laughs) low-key break child labor laws at the same to make (laughs) all of our children go yes (laughs) yes yeah we're gonna make we're gonna send our young teenagers to go do work under the guise of like this is this is a it's a mission. It's like no, you're right. You're just you're no. just overworking children. Like that's How all that this thinking? is. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. So um so yeah, there was also like when I was a teenager, I would go on these like random I had these random moments of like self-awareness, I think. Cause I feel like I feel like the last 20 years of my life were like just kind of in a daze, you know, I was just kind of doing what I was supposed to do, not actually like thinking about anything. (laughs) Um, Because if I thought, then I, I wasn't thinking about God. So then I was like, I had this, I, I was diagnosed with OCD now, you know, so like, I'm medicated for all this shit. But like, but it was like, if you're not, if I'm not thinking only about God, if I'm not like, focusing my brain on God, then like, I'm not with him and shit. I'm, I'm sinning now. So like, I couldn't think for myself. Anyway, that's another, that's a whole other thing. But, um, I had this, I would have these moments of clarity where I was like, everyone 
keeps telling kids to just like be kids. But then when we act out in a way that they don't like, then they tell us that we need to grow up and, <laughs> and, and act our age. But I was like, I'm 16 and I don't know how to act my age because like, because I'm already parenting all of these other kids and I'm like doing all of your dirty work and I'm doing all of this groundskeeping and like I'm, I'm working full time already. So I don't really know what it looks like to act my age because if I really did, I would be out, you know, partying and I would have friends and I would be doing things. But then if I were to do that, then you would get upset with me about that, you know? So it was just this whole weird complex. That's of, like, fucking my brain up so bad, dude. You know? <laughs> my head just like exploded. Oh, right. God. No, I mean like. So, oh, I, okay. Well, I just literally said I, I can never figure out why I, I always felt like I needed to be an adult. I think that's why. I think that although I didn't get pushed to be an adult, there wasn't grace for me being a child. Yeah. yeah. And as a mentally ill child, <laughs> I would have these, um, almost like when you see like an overworked, like mom where it's like, she's like always teetering on the edge of having an explosion. But I was like that all the time as a child because I was like, yeah. so I held it together too much as a child. And then I would have these really drastic explosions where yeah. like I'd be screaming at my parents and like be this like monster child. And there was not a conversation, which this is not to shit on my parents. This is also that there was not, and the whole gentle parenting thing was did not exist when I was a child. Um, there wasn't the conversation about if your kid is having an emotion, they're obviously, that's obviously coming from someplace. So like, why don't we have conversations with our children and say, Hey, there's a lot of anger coming from you right now. Like, what are you angry about? Like, can we talk about what you're angry about? Are your feelings hurt? Like, are you sad about something? Like, let's talk about it. There was none of that. There was like, this is inappropriate behavior. Let's shut it down. And, um, I think you're totally right. You expect kids to be adults and then you tell them to be kids. And then when they're kids, you shame them and expect them to be adults. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. okay, so how does that work? Um, Constant back and forth. Yeah. And it there's also, no security. Yeah. No, no. And it also really messes up your ability to emotionally regulate because I think totally. it pushes yeah. this idea that you're supposed to have it together all the time. And even adults don't have it together all the time. So like when you're a kid and you assume that you're just supposed to like not have emotions and just like put it, like just hold it all together. It's like, yeah. then you're the kid that's stuffing for years. And now we have a dissociative 21 year old. You know what I mean? Like right. yeah. that's not helpful either. Um, I'm curious too about your um, experience within um, the church and the self-awareness piece of it. Because as a child, did you have kind of um, those moments of like had like actually very valid questions to ask and very real realizations of how like perhaps this is a scam and kind of had to like turn off your brain and dissociate from those thoughts so that you didn't like mm. discover that <laughs> Christianity like wasn't real. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, no, um, a lot. I I was full of questions as a kid, and um, and it was always shut down. Um, actually, I had to work through it in therapy because I had this one. Oh, man, sorry, I just I had like a really cool memory. Um, <laughs> but we would do this. <laughs> I was like, oh shoot. Um, we. So when I was in therapy, we did this exercise where um, she gave me, my my therapist gave me this, like, list of, um, it was, like, numbered age one to however old I was at the time. I don't remember. I think it was, like, 20. Um, and basically, I had to come up with, a like, a non-emotional memory. So, it, like, it was just, like, a neutral memory for each year Ooh. Um, yeah right that's hard and uh yeah it was really difficult um and so I I did that and then she had me like she gave me a week to do it right because it was like oh, it was yeah. that difficult to like yeah, think of yeah. it. <laughs> um and some of these things like it was so early that like I couldn't really actually remember so I just like ask my parents if I could look at pictures or something and then ask them what was happening in the picture. And then I would write that down. Um, but, um, I, she had me like at our next session, lay back and just kind of like relax, get into my like head and just kind of relax my body a bit. And she had me imagine myself, um, like like I was holding like a picture book of all of these memories and I was telling my younger self um basically about my life and it got to I got to be I got to like the eight year old memory and all of a sudden my brain was just like fogged up like I couldn't keep thinking I couldn't focus on what I was imagining and visualizing it was like this like purple cloud was everywhere and I just kept saying like I lost her I lost her I don't know what's going on I don't know what's happening and so my counselor just kind of like okay let's talk about that (laughs) and um and when I was eight like I had a lot of trauma that started around that time and I completely disconnected from myself after that point and um and there was like there was like a symbol behind like the color and stuff too but I don't remember what it was um (laughs) but um but everything was like really foggy and unstable and um and like it it was just it was wild to like go into that and and recognize like oh yeah okay I really haven't been myself since I was eight years old wow cool that's hard (laughs) Um, I'm tearing up. I I don't think I've ever cried like in an episode with somebody, but the, I lost her like, yeah, God, that's hard. And the like realization of like, cause it's honestly like having an inner relationship with yourself. And like, I almost feel like my inner child is like my literal child of like, I have the same protection for her that like I do for Stevie and this, like, yeah. I want to protect her and, like, keep her safe. And, like, I have – I go through periods with Stevie, who's my dog, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know me. I don't <laughs> I don't have a child. I just treat my dog like she's my child. Um, I have these phases with Stevie where I'm really disconnected with her and I feel like, oh, we're, like, not on the same wavelength. And I'm, like, 
I feel like I'm not spending enough time with you or like our relationship's kind of weird. And a lot of it's like when I'm really busy or I'm really anxious and I Mm -hmm. kind of like almost just like don't feel like I'm present with her and it gets, I get in my head. And I feel like that almost constantly with my inner child where it's like, oh, I'm so disconnected from you. And that's such an interesting thing of like, I'm I'm sure that if I did the same thing, I would I would have a time where it's like, oh, I can't find her. Like I don't know where she went. Yeah. I can't find her. Um, and that's just like that's brutal to think about. Like, right? That's brutal to think about. Yeah, and it was a it was a similar feeling too. Um, of like when I saw her, like my my therapist had me like describe what I was seeing of my younger self, you know, and so. And I I could see I had this like strong picture of what I looked like as a child. And it was right after um, a family member of mine had, I was at, oh, this is what brought it up. Okay. Um, I, I was asking questions um, at the adult table and I wasn't allowed to be at the adult table because I was a kid, but I was also the only girl and I was the oldest child there. So I was like, I have all of these questions that like none of these little boys want to talk about. And you guys have answers because you're grown up. And, um, and so I had gone up and I was trying to involve myself in the conversation. And I was pulled aside by a family member and was told, um, you know, you need to go back to the kids table because little girls are just better seen and not heard. And that, like, that really fucked me up. And so, um, and I didn't realize that I'd been carrying that within myself for a long time. But, um, but the image that I had of myself was that little girl, like that exact same little girl in that same outfit, like, and she was so sad. And I just like had walked up to her and like picked her up and was like, you know what, like, let's go, let's go away. Let's go sit let's read a book, like, let's, <laughs> let's come together. And I'm just going to tell you all about these things that you get to look forward to. And, um, and that, yeah. and, and all the ways really that feeling. you get to be heard, like, yeah, later. Oh, my right. God, dude. Shit. I'm <laughs> actually crying. Um, oh, God, that's like, first of all, that's such a brutal thing to hear as a child, because Oh, there's, there's something that happens inside of you when you have that like childlike wonder and it gets squashed for the first time. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, does that do a number on you. And I remember like the embarrassment and the shame that I felt like I, I have such visceral memories of like specific conversations where like I was shamed and yeah. I am a very fiery person. I will protect anyone and everyone like with my life. I will right. fight you. I will argue with you. I will debate with you. Like I will get in your face. Like I just literally two days ago, a dog came charging at Stevie, like charging at her. And oh God. my uh, childhood dog who is still alive, he's chilling. His name is Paco. Um, he got attacked <laughs> when he was six months old. And it was Mm. one of the most traumatizing things I've ever been through. Like, I was there. It was terrifying. And Stevie, like, I keep her in a harness for a reason. And that reason is so that if she's ever getting charged at, I can literally swing her up like she's (laughs) being catapulted. And I will throw her in the air and catch her. 
because she's so tiny that I can literally just chuck her and it's not going to hurt her. So this dog was charging at us and I tossed her in the air and like literally swung her like, like a fucking lasso and like (laughs) like, caught her. And this woman like stopped her dog. And I I was like, Mm. immediately like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, do you realize how unsafe that is? And was immediately just like, mama bear, like, I'm about to tell you the fuck off because you just scared me. You just scared my dog. Like she could have been a danger. And similarly, when I am in a position where I am shamed or I feel unsafe, I had a situation where a family member when I was 19 or 20, um, my extended family did not know about my sexual assault. Mm. Um, I was kind of told that it would maybe be too much for them. And so I mm. didn't discuss it despite the fact that like I was going through an investigation. I was right. Not suicidal. that it was too much for you. No, yeah. I mean like I was suicidal. I was – and I, I understand the intention, but it also put the weight on a very, very, very fragile person going through a lot right. that their story was too much for other people. And yeah. um. I finally kind of casually, I, I, I was, I'm also not someone who likes to lie and like not be honest about how I'm feeling. And we were yeah. at like a family dinner and I was just like, I was honest about it. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, I just got out of an investigation with my school and like, <laughs> I hate being at school. Like it's terrible. I'm really excited yeah. to be done with it. And it was a holiday and like no one was really left at the table except for like my dad who like knew everything. And I'm talking with them and I had a family member, an extended family member, walk into the room and very angrily say, this is too dark of a subject. We don't need to be talking about this. Hmm. And I'm 20. Yeah. I don't think I was going to defend myself. Hmm. Um, I will never know if I was going to defend myself because before I could, my dad, who um, spent a lot of my childhood not being as protective as I wanted him to be. Um, my dad chewed the head off this family member faster than you could blink. My dad was on his feet with his finger in this person's face, Hmm. like faster than you can blink. And it was such a like formative thing for me because it was the first time in like real time I like reflected on something and was like, oh, like my inner child needs some healing because I am so quick to defend other people. And I just had someone shame me for something that I did not choose to happen to me. That is one of the most vicious things that ever has happened to me. One of the most traumatic things that has ever happened to me. And I had the courage to be honest about it for the first time and try to talk to my family about it. And Mm. I had someone just try to shut me down. And if someone had done that to my friend, someone would have gotten hit. (laughs) I would not have sat there and just like shut up. And I shut up so quickly and I was so like disappointed in myself. And my first reaction compared to having like grief for the small version of me that has had that happen and obviously had it trained into them to like not stick up for myself when I'm shamed. My immediate reaction was like, what the fuck? Why did you not stand up for yourself? 
and like mm. shaming her even further compared to yeah, being like, shaming oh, yourself. You, yeah. Yeah. Compared to being like you poor little baby, like right. you didn't have people protect you. You just needed to be comforted. Yeah. And I called my older sister who was not there at the time. Um, and I'm currently doing EMDR and the way that we're doing it is we're going through traumatic memories and I picked a protector to come in with me to those traumatic memories and stand up mm-hmm. against the people that hurt me. And yeah. I picked my sister because we are very different. We fight a lot, but they there is not a second. Like we could we could be in a situation where we haven't talked in two years. And if she found out mm-hmm. that I like needed to be protected, she'd be like, oh, here I come. And if my sister had been there at this dinner, like there would have been a brawl. <laughs> there would yeah. have been a full-blown brawl. But my sister was not there. And my mom was also not in the room. And my mom mm-hmm. is my typical protector. It was me and my mm-hmm. dad. And my dad isn't, he's, it was so out of character for him to be that yeah. protective of me, um, especially against his own family. Because yeah. it's his family, not my mom's family. Oh. It's his family. <laughs> And I think he just, I think for one, he has done so much work and props to him because that man has done so much therapy to try to be a better parent. And despite the fact that he has adult children, like he works his ass off to try to be a better parent to his adult children. And I called my sister and I told her what happened. And first of all, she was infuriated. (laughs) And second of all, she was like, (laughs) I was like, I don't know why, like it meant so much to me. And she goes, because he didn't protect you as a kid. That's why. Like, he just Mm -hmm. healed part of your inner child. That's why that just happened. And I was like, oh. And she was like, yeah, that's that's why that meant so much to you. Because you got something from him in that moment that you didn't get as a child when you needed it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like, to this day, like, is one of the most, like, formative memories for me. Because it, it just, like, it was such a big deal to be able to, like, have myself protected in that way. Um, mm. And on that note, I, I wanted to ask too, I meant to ask this a little earlier, but um, with the way that you were as a child and like the being an adult and even the being seen and not heard and kind of this like, basically you're here to honestly almost like work for us and like help us and not be a child and not be able to make those mistakes as a child and have the grace that you deserve mm-hmm. to be given. Do I'm assuming you do grieve the loss of that childhood, but like, how do you cope with the grief of losing that part of your childhood and being forced like into adulthood? Have you figured out how to grieve it? Like, is that a current process? Yeah. Or? <laughs> you know, I'm still, I don't think I'm ever not going to be grieving. Um, it just, it it might be, I don't know, the intensity of it might, might dull over time, but, um, but I think the, the coping, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm starting to connect more with things that, um, that I liked as a kid that I wasn't allowed to like. Um, and so I think that's kind of where I've started of like, okay, what are some things that I was like really into that I was shamed for liking at that point? And Mm -hmm. maybe I can explore that a little bit. Um, 
just to get some like enjoyment out that I should have been able to experience at that point that I didn't get to. And, um, so I've been, I've been really artistic lately, you know, and, and artistic more in the focus of like bodies and like, I don't know, I, I've always been very sensual and I wasn't allowed to be. Um, and so like, I've done a lot of exploring, um, you know, sex and sexuality and like all of that stuff that like I wasn't allowed to hear about. I wasn't allowed to talk about. Um, but I was always curious. Like I wanted to know about my body. I wanted to know about other people's bodies. Um, and no one would tell me. <laughs> right. Um, like I was, I was like seven and I um, had heard the word sex from like somebody at school. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it meant, but I was, um, I was watching TV with my parents and a Victoria's Secret commercial came on. And first of all, I was like, whoa, those girls are so pretty. (laughs) And then secondly, the word sexy came on the screen and I read it out loud and I was like, sexy. Oh, like sex. And my parents both looked at me like, like a demon had just come out of my mouth. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You know? And, um, (laughs) and they just kind of were like, uh, you know, if you ever wanted to talk about something like that, when you're older, just, uh, let us know, you know, they like tiptoed around it and then changed the channel. Um, but like, I don't know, like just allowing myself to explore things that I like or, or recognize like that there are more people that I actually like that I wasn't allowed to. And, Mm. you know, I'm a queer person. I didn't, I didn't know that other people were actually straight until I got to college (laughs) because I just, I hated myself so much as a Christian kid. I just assumed everybody hated that part of themselves. Um, which is like funny because a lot of people are like, I didn't know that I was until I was older. And I was like, I didn't know other people weren't like, I just thought everyone liked everyone. We just weren't allowed to talk about it. I kind of thought that too. Like I, I had a conversation with a partner like early college and I was like, you don't, you think guys are a little hot, right? Like a little hot. And he was like, right. no. And and he was so comfortable <laughs> with his sexuality. He was so comfortable with talking about it. Had, had did not have like an ounce of shame in his body about it. And so yeah. I was like, oh, I actually kind of believe you because like everyone else that right. I asked that question to, I was like, well, you're just bullshitting yourself. Like whatever. It's right. fine. Like you'll figure it out later. And he was like, no, like I really don't. And I know that if he did, he would have told me. And I was right. like, okay. Oh damn! Like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> like is, is that maybe not everybody? Like, I, I had the exact same thing where it wasn't as much that I thought everyone was just living in shame. I just thought that like, I don't know what I thought being bisexual meant because I didn't think it just meant like thinking that other the same gender as you was hot because I thought that that was just how everybody felt. I thought that maybe it was right. like actively having sex with other genders and like that was yeah. You know what I mean? Like act like I just oh like I was like well everybody thinks. There's no, like, I, everyone said Girl Crush, uh, Girl Crush Wednesday. Yeah. Woman Crush Wednesday. Bitch, 
I thought that meant we were all gay. <laughs> like, did that not mean that? I'm confused. <laughs> That's what I thought for the majority of my life was just like, oh, we we weren't all being honest and like saying out loud that we thought people were hot. Like, you right. think that they're objectively attractive? Like, I'm confused. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm confused. Don't understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but, but yeah, I think being able to accept parts of myself like that or or even you know that I have a sense of humor that I'm funny like and that mm-hmm. people actually like hearing what I have to say um and or like I can cuss <laughs> you know like, for some reason yeah. like it's been a really liberating thing because um I mean I've always got like I swear like a sailor you know yeah, as a but teenager. you have the freedom but I had to do it now pain. yeah exactly right. like there's nothing actually holding me back I don't feel like I have to censor myself um, yeah yeah that's a big one and that's yeah and that's just a big thing or like just communicating that I have a different opinion like yeah. oh, you know I don't really see it that way but that's okay <laughs> you know? like um I don't have to fight you about it I mean I will if you want like I, I love yeah. it I love a good fight yeah, but like I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> but like I don't have to you know right. I think um like there are so many things of just like getting more comfortable with like the deeper parts of myself that I wasn't allowed to explore that I think are really cool. Um, yeah. So how has that played into your relationship with your husband? Because I know for me dating in a healthy environment, cause I had a few relationships early on that were really toxic And then coming into like one of my first like really healthy relationships, like pretty late college, like, and then a little after I graduated. Um, and then even the relationship I'm in now, like we don't yell at each other and like, we're not like screaming and cussing each other out and like throwing (laughs) shit. Like that's not the dynamic. And I was trying to explain to my mom because she's, I revert back to my childhood self when I'm in my, my childhood home. Same. Mm-hmm. We're working real hard on that because it is very frustrating. And it's like this weird soul tie to like my childhood home and being with my family yeah. that I act like I'm 12 again. And it really is frustrating because I'm so proud of the work that I've done and that I'm not, I yeah. don't have the same emotional outbursts, but then I'm at home and it's like, Oh, I swear to God, I'm better than this. Like, I swear to God, I am like, I really have, I've grown so much. I have so much more self-awareness. I have so much more emotional intelligence and control. And like, I'm, I communicate so much better than this. And it's so disappointing to like go back into my childhood home and then just like, it's like, I want to prove to them that I have grown and it's really frustrating when I can't. And I was explaining to my mom, cause we'd never talked about this. And she was like, referring to me and my boyfriend and was saying something about like, well, like when you guys have fights and I was like, we don't, we don't have fights. Like we debate politics for fun, just to bullshit each other um, or really stupid things. Like I was trying to, I started a debate with him that uh, all dogs, including wild dogs actually have really nice hearts. And that if I was able to show them, that I loved them, then they wouldn't kill me. And he is from Alaska and was like, that's the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. And I was like, yes, it is. I think if I loved them enough, they would be nice to me. So we just like, we're debating it for no reason, but actual conflicts, like we talk 
And like, maybe there's a little bit of emotion in it in terms of like someone's feelings are hurt, but like, there's no yelling, there's no cussing, there's no nothing. And like, I was trying to explain that to my mom because she assumed that I, the way that I act in my family is the way I act with my partners. Right. And she was like, well, yeah, when you guys are like yelling and I was like, we don't yell. Like, I don't. And like, the thing is, is like, that's not just with this partner. Like my last partner prior to him, we also didn't yell. Like we both just talked about things. And my mom was just like, hang on. Like, what do you mean? Cause like when I'm home with my parents, I'm like yelling and like go right back to being 12. And I don't do that with my relationships. And my mom was like awestruck because she was a little sad because she was like, kind of like, I will, I wish that we got that version of you. And I was mm-hmm. like, dude, me too. <laughs> and, and I was trying to explain to her, like, I'm not trying to put all the blame on you either. That like, yeah. you're the reason why I, I, I revert back to that. I think that definitely you have a part in it because you parented me, but like, okay. I also just, there's just this weird psychological soul tie that like, I go back to my childhood home and I just like lose so much. And I've, I've gotten better at it where every time I go back, I'm, I, I don't revert back as much. Yeah. But how has that been with like you and your husband? Cause you guys have been together for a, a while. Yeah. Did you have a moment in your relationship where like you had your first fight and like um. my, my first fight with, with, I literally had my partner that my first healthy relationship, I yelled at him in a fight, our very first fight. And he, with the straightest face in the world, and little sad eyes said, oh, we don't have to do that. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like I was so embarrassed. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, that's just how it is. That, like, that's how I was raised to fight. And he was yeah. like, we can just talk about it. And he like, wasn't yeah. upset. He just was like, oh, like, you do not have to yell at me. Like, we can just talk. And I was like, oh my God, I, I feel so terrible. And I'm curious as to like how you guys also started dating when you were younger. Yeah. How have mm-hmm. how have you been able to like mesh even just like your inner child work and with your marriage? Yeah. Well, so he yeah, we've been together like almost six years now. Um, which just feels so weird because I don't know. I don't know. It still feels like we just met like I mean not that we don't know each other but like it no but like it, it feels so like that. time shouldn't have passed that fast already and then at it's the same time it's like we've been together for 20 years I don't know <laughs> no I was just gonna say like to me it seems like you guys have been together for like 10-15 years right but, like, yeah I also like I know what you mean that at the same time it's like oh well like like I like I've seen photos of them when they're not together like times right. where, like, before they start dating and they're not, they're not as young as I like assume they're going to be. Right. Yeah. Um, no, we started dating. I was 19 when we started dating and actually dating him was what got me into therapy. Um, because I hadn't really had, I, I like I'd seen other people and stuff, um, after my abuse, my like big abusive relationship. Um, but like, I I always had these random triggers and I didn't really understand I I was in full denial of myself at that point. So I was just like, oh, 
it's a sign I shouldn't be with them. And so I would just like break off the relationship. So I'd like see someone for like, I'd go on a couple of dates where like I would see someone for like two months and then I'd be like, can't do it. Um, but, um, after, after those relationships, I was like, okay, I'm not getting into another relationship. I'm fine being by myself. I actually really enjoy myself now. And, um, like, I don't want to even consider being with someone until I want to spend more time with them more than myself. Basically, like that was my boundary was like, if I enjoy being with them more than I enjoy being alone, then like, cool, but nobody else. (laughs) And um, pretty soon after that, I met Daniel. And he like, um, he, (laughs) we'd known each other like three days, and I was already like, this guy's my best friend. Um, there was one point where like he came, uh, (laughs) we met in college, right? So we're like, I was sitting in the lounge with my roommate at the time. And, um, I saw him walking up the steps to like come to the front door and I burst out of the building. I just like got up. I was in the middle of a conversation and I just like, (laughs) I was so rude. (laughs) I got up and ran out the door and was like, finally, you're here. I've been so bored. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god like I didn't even think about what I was saying and of course my roommate's right there like I apologize for it later we worked it out as fine we're still friends but um but, but yeah I started to realize like oh I really like this person and of course like I was still in denial because I was like eh, you know every other relationship I've tried to have like hasn't worked out and like or I've had complete autonomy taken away from me and I really value my autonomy and my self-control and um and I was just really scared that getting into another relationship would like result in something like that and so I just kind of like held him at an arm's length we stayed friends and eventually um I was like shit this guy likes me I tried to shut it down and then we went on a trip with another friend. We like went down to, to Oregon, <laughs> did like a weekend trip. And all of a sudden it was like the light changed and like everything was golden. And I was like, Oh shoot, I'm in love with this person. <laughs> Dang it. And so we start this relationship and, um, pretty soon on, I think after our first date, I had my first like major trigger and, by that point, I wasn't denying myself anymore. I was like, no, you know what? You're pretty traumatized. You've gone through a lot and you probably need some help. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I like tried to work on it by myself and that wasn't working. It, like we'd been dating for like three or four months by this point, And I was like, okay, I'm not sleeping. I'm literally hearing voices. Like this is a problem. <laughs> and um (laughs) I'm like blacking out every time he tries to kiss me you know like this is a problem and so I started going to therapy because I was like I actually really like this person and I want to continue having a relationship with this person um and so that really helped so the majority of our relationship I have been doing a lot of inner child work so he's been growing like right alongside with me and like watching me experience all of this 
Um, and I think it's only really made our relationship better because, um, I don't know, we're starting to see each other. We have a lot more grace for each other. We, we don't fight. We've never raised our voices at each other, like probably ever. (laughs) Um, and we had so many family members, like when we were dating, be like, oh, well, just wait, just wait until you're like married or just wait until you're a year in or just wait until you're five years in, you know, and no, we still just yeah. talk things out. I think the the closest thing we had to a fight was like, he had, I was having a really bad day and I just wanted him to hang out with me, but I didn't tell him that. And so he went out with his friends um instead of hanging out with me and I was like really hurt about it (laughs) but like he came back and I was like I just wanted you to be here and I'm sorry I didn't tell you that so like I can't hold it against you but like my feelings are really hurt you know yeah and um you know and I think that was like the most dramatic thing the most dramatic issue that we've had so far yeah um but yeah, because my my therapist also included him a lot. So like she would invite him in for a session or something to be able to like teach him different coping, like ways to help me cope with things. And so we've always been a team um, and it's always been like us against external circumstances instead of like him battling me while I'm battling my shit, you know. That's such a like... I remember when I first grasped that in a relationship that it didn't have to be me versus my partner. It could be like me and my partner versus the problem. Right. And it like drastically shifted every way I approached any relationship that I was in this, like past that point, because before that, like that was not a concept in my home. Yeah. At all. Like, sorry, I remember my first relationship either. My first relationship was like super toxic and we were very volatile towards each other. And I remember, like, like I said, the first time that I yelled at my, my partner, my, like the partner that I had, um, in college after like my relationship, my abusive relationship, and then also my assault. Yeah. It was such a like a humbling, like. Yeah. Just to have we someone have like to do that. Well, That's even so to look funny. at me and like not be angry at me that I just like yeah. yelled at him. Like there was right. no anger. It was just like, yeah, like we don't have to like, like we don't have to yell at each other. Like it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I felt, yeah, I felt so humbled and like. Yeah, I mean, my I've had similar reactions from my family when, like, I explained to them that I, like, don't fight with my partners at this point. When I don't have plural partners. I mean, like, partners in the past. Um, yeah, no shame. <laughs> no, no shame. I'm just not secure yeah. enough. <laughs> no shame at all. I'm, I'm purely not secure enough. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, like, I, my parents, like, same kind of thing. Like, oh, just wait. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> I don't really think it's gonna happen. Um, the right. closest I've even the past few relationships I've had, like closest we've come to fighting is like somebody having an anxiety attack and not realizing they're having an anxiety attack, and like yeah, kind of being angry towards the other person and realizing they're having an anxiety attack, right. or like me having a little hissy fit on my own and my partner just like <laughs> kind of sitting there watching me have my hissy fit. Um, yeah not directed towards my partner but like me being like oh this fucking thing won't fucking work and like me being yes. pissed about something and then just kind yeah. of being like 
we have a lot of fun. Like, are you okay? (laughs) And I'm just like, leave me alone. I'm (laughs) angry, which my current partner just thinks is he thinks he thinks that grumpy me is really cute. And so he's just like, ooh, you have your And I'm like that. I'm like, sir, <laughs> not helpful. <laughs> Let me be pissed. And he'll walk over and be like, but you look really cute. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think it's 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 definitely, um, I mean, I feel like we could talk about, there's so much, so many facets to like trying to heal your inner child because it literally it impacts every every aspect of your life because it's totally, this little version yeah. of yourself inside of you that's like hella wounded um yeah. but I guess we're kind of on the end of our time here if, if you could tell someone that like we were all over the place this episode so I think some people <laughs> I, I don't know maybe people will relate to it I think a lot of people who grew up in the church and grew up in maybe not the best environments like probably will relate to something because yeah I think it's actually kind of more of a common experience than people realize especially totally growing up too fast and being burnt out for so long. Um, But like, what would you tell someone who is either maybe starting this like healing journey with their inner child or is just starting to realize that that little person inside of them is like hurt. Mm. What would be like a first step maybe besides therapy? Cause I think therapy is always a really good first step, but like what's a first step or even just like some advice that you would give that person to try to reconnect with that version of themselves and maybe have some grace for that like little, little them. Yeah. I think trying to um, externalize as much as possible um, that person. Like I, and I don't know, maybe this is just the way that my brain works, but um, like I've had full on conversations with like my past self before where I'll just like look at an old picture and I'll say like, hey, I'm really sorry that you didn't get the support that you needed at that time. Um, or like, you know, I'm I'm still really proud of that moment. And I like carry a lot of this pride with me still for the things that you accomplished. And I know that you worked really hard, you know, like, um, and just like, I don't know. I feel like that's like a really simple thing to be able to just kind of like look back through those memories and be like feeling whatever emotions come up and just allowing yourself to feel it. Um, cause I was, I don't remember where I saw this, but like, your feelings only really last like 90 seconds or something. So like if you, if you just let yourself play it out. um, And so like go back through and try to remember what you were feeling and just allow yourself to actually feel it. Cause chances are you weren't allowed to feel it. Um, especially if, if someone has a background similar to ours, you know, um, uh, I think just getting in tune to your emotions and your feelings is like a really big first start, <laughs> first step. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think too, um, I think the conversations is a really, really, really great starter because I think when you address your inner child, I think that like, if you don't actually start to develop a relationship and heal that relationship, it's really easy to kind of hold your inner child at arm's distance and like not actually recognize that they are a child. Right. 
And yeah. that like they they were a baby. Like yeah. the way that I've how ha- it's helped my brain is like I refer to 18-year-old me as a baby. Yeah. Like that is how I re- that's how I refer to myself. Like when I look back on like things that I was going through when I was 18 and I had no tools and I was fresh out of high school, tried to approach college, a month in get assaulted, like I I I'm just like I'll talk to it. I'll talk about it to my partner or my therapist or my friend. And I literally am just like, I was a baby. Like I was a baby. And it sounds funny because it was four years ago, but like the amount of growth that's happened in four years and the amount of self-awareness and like actually like addressing trauma is just fucking major. And like trying to just like really reiterate in my head that like those versions of me, even like, you know, 10 year old me, I was a baby. And it's like, when you are taught your whole life and expected to be an adult, I think reiterating that you were a literal, like, like minor and you were a child. Um, and you then think about like, if you were interacting with a child, like, would you hold a child to those same standards? Right. Kind of helps you like really like brings you to reality a little bit of like, Ooh, I should not have these expectations for this very small being. Like right. those should not be my expectations because I have, I, yeah. I can go back and look at my younger self and be like, Oh, what the fuck? Like, why did you not do better at this? And I can get really shamey and like yeah, judgmental. And when I just like remind myself that is a child, <laughs> like that yeah. is a child. And even though in that moment I felt like I was an adult, I was not like my totally. brain was not fucking formed. I was not an adult my brain's still not entirely formed. Like right. <laughs> the fact that I'm trying to expect the emotional awareness I have as a 22 year old from a 10 year old is yeah. fucking stupid. Like that's not, right. that's not realistic. So like, I just constantly refer to, for some reason, like child isn't, doesn't seem young enough to me. So I'm always just like, they, that would, that was a baby. Like I have to say baby. I'm always like, yeah. but I was a baby. Like I was a baby and I needed to be taken care of. And for some reason, like, and that might honestly just be because I've been so drilled into my, like my brain that children are not children. And that mm. like, I was expected to be an adult and I never got right. to be a child. Yeah. But when I was a baby, I wasn't expected to be an adult. So like, maybe there's a weird yeah. disconnect there for my personal brain. But I think just the like constant, like reality check when you can start to really like get angry at yourself for things that happened, it's just like reminding yourself like literally how young you are. And even if, if you think of the children in your own life, like I think of like my nanny kids and like, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's like, these are very small humans who have like very little (laughs) little, ability to take care of themselves. And the idea yeah. that I was expecting so much of myself at that age is unreal. And then that me as an adult have this completely separate set of standards for me as a child than other children at the same age is like not fair. Like, yeah. I'm just repeating what other adults did to me and expected me to be an adult. Exactly. Exactly. That's not fair. Yeah. That's not how you evolve <laughs> or progress. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, not at all. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. I, I like when I have episodes where I'm literally feel like I'm kind of doing therapy work as we talk <laughs> and, um, definitely felt that way. Um, but I, I've like admired you from afar and then also just like from your social media, but I think you have such a, um, 
soft and gentle presence about you while also being so fiery that I think mm-hmm. is really unique because you're able to, you're able to like hold both sides of that without losing either. And especially to hear a little more about like how you grew up and like the rough standards that were set on you as a child. I think it is remarkable that you've managed to keep that like softness and that gentleness about you and like about your character. Um, and like props to you. I think that you're, <laughs> there's a very unique like breed of people who are just like, there's like warmth that exudes off of them. And it's something that I'm a kind of abrasive person and I've always wanted to be like warmer because I've always been kind of abrasive and kind of, kind of rough and kind of tough. And I've, I've even like in the past, like three or four years, always looked up to you with like how warm you are and like how you just exude like warm warmth and like brightness. And I know you've had a lot of different things with your mental health that maybe don't feel super warm and bright, but like, (laughs) I hope that you know that that's something that you exude and not to put that pressure on you that like, you have to keep exuding that. But I think it's just kind of like, I don't think it's reliant on like your actual mood. I think it's just like part of who you are is that you just exude warmth and like gentleness. Um, And the fact that I cried, I've never cried in an episode before. (laughs) So even just that, like, (laughs) I think you you just, you you have a safety about you and a warmth about you that I think is really unique. And the fact Mm -hmm. that you're able to protect that through a lot of unsafe situations is like, very remarkable so wow well wow to you. thank you that's yeah. very kind yeah Done a lot of work but i'm sure <laughs> i'm yeah. sure um well once again thank you for coming on um i want to give you a chance to plug anything you have to plug potentially the book that we've been alluding to the entire yeah. episode <laughs> yeah um well my uh I don't know, my social media. I'm not super active on on Instagram right now, but that's what I'm most active on. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I handle it's uh, at lauren.weed. Um, and my book is Ophelia, Welcome Home. So um, you can find that on Amazon if you want. Um, it's so cute and it's so pretty. And you illustrated it too, correct? I did, yeah. I did. It's very pretty. Thank you. Um, that's one of my dreams is to write a children's book. And like seeing you do it, I was like, maybe I actually get started on that. Cause I, I it's it. been something that I've wanted to do for such a long time. Um, I can't draw for shit. So I might be calling you. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. I'll do it. I love it. Um, well, I will link your Instagram and correct me if I'm wrong, but the, uh, Ophelia Welcome Home has an Instagram account too, correct? It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's um Welcome Home Book. Right. Let me look it up. There are docs in there. Uh, yeah, I was um, going to say, I think there are dots. <laughs> I, I also don't remember where the dots are. Right. Um, it's welcome. Okay. Welcome.home.book. Okay. Perfect. Well, yeah. I will link all of that in the episode description. Um, support local authors too like go buy lauren's book it's not expensive go support local authors and also like it's just pretty and it's it's one of those books that i think does kind of tug on your heartstrings as an adult um i don't have children and i bought it for myself it's in my bookcase um but yeah so thank you so much for coming on um 
thank you for sharing your experience with me because it answered some questions about my own experience that will be helpful <laughs> later in therapy. We'll talk to my therapist mm-hmm. about it later. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming on. I think this will, um, I think it'll resonate with people, especially mm. the ex-Christian kiddos. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, that's all the time. Yeah, that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us five stars on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also follow the blog on Instagram at Serafina blog and visit us online at serafinablog.com. And as always to end our time, unclench your jaw, take a deep breath. And remember, you can always learn, you can always grow, and you can always choose to live your life in a more mindful way. I will chat with you guys next week.